Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to come before you, for the opportunity to be your sons and daughters, for the opportunity just to accept the invitation to follow wherever it is that you call. Help us to be not afraid to follow you day in and day out so that we can truly become who we've been created to be, so that we can set the world on fire with your love. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'd just like to uh, begin this evening as we're sharing a story with all of you about one of the priests from the, the parish I'm assigned to, St. Bridget's. His name's Father Christotomo. Some of you might know him, maybe not. He's a great guy. Uh, he's a good friend of mine. We were actually both ordained together at the same time at the cathedral in Rockford in May of 2011. As you might imagine, when you live with somebody, you obviously quickly get to know a whole lot about them. And the one thing that I picked up on right away when we were assigned to the same parish is that in his free time, one of his absolute favorite thing to do is to go fishing. He finds it very relaxing, gives him an opportunity to slow down, and at the same time it provides him with an opportunity to converse with the Lord. Each and every time that he comes back from a day out on a lake or a river somewhere, my first question I always ask him is, how many fish did you catch? Of course, the number varies, you know, but based on the numbers that he gives me, assuming he's not giving me any fish stories, assuming he's telling the truth and not exaggerating his numbers, based on these numbers, I can tell you that he's a, he's a pretty good fisherman. At the same time, though, I'll say it's a good thing that God called him to the priesthood and not to be a professional fisherman, because I think he does a lot better job of catching souls than he does catching fish. Another interesting detail, as a side note that I've learned since we were assigned together, is he also loves technology. He enjoys trying out new gadgets and gizmos. So I kind of had these kind of two things to work with and in mind this year when it came time for Christmas. And I was going to do my Christmas shopping. And I was like, what kind of piece of fishing equipment or new technology, what kind of gadget can I get for him? Nothing really came to mind, though. And I couldn't come up with something new and exciting that he didn't already have. This put me in a big conundrum because Christmas began getting closer and closer as each passing day went by. And I had no clue what to get him. But then one day it suddenly became clear. Rather than getting a random piece of fishing equipment or a random piece of technology, I would get him a piece of fishing technology. So I went online and, you know, researched a little, and I found this thing called the iBobber. It's kind of like your iPhone or an iPad. It's an iBobber. And what this is, it's an oversized fishing bobber. It's like about the size of like a McDonald's hamburger. And it has this like sonar on it, and it links via Bluetooth with your phone or your tablet, and then there's this app that you download and it shows you precisely where the fish are, right? Where they are, location, it shows how deep they are. It even has different like colored fish to show you what size they are. So you're like, oh, that's not worth my time. I mean, super cool. So I got this one for Christmas and he was super excited about it. I'm excited too, because I believe that this device is gonna help him to go from being a good fisherman to being a great one. He's already said that he's sure that he'll be able to catch more fish with this because it'll help him be able to see beyond what he can see on his own. Now, shortly after we had this discussion, I went to our chapel to pray. And I opened up and I started reading over this passage for scripture. And this passage that I opened to made me realize that this whole idea about the benefits of being able to see beyond what we can perceive on our own totally, perceives, or totally applies to the spiritual life. The passage I was praying over comes from Matthew's Gospel. Where Jesus asked his disciples, he says, who do people say that I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, 
others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said in reply, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus said to him in reply, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. Now, of course, we know these ideas that the crowds had, they were way off base, because Jesus is so much more than John the Baptist, or Elijah, or Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But at the same time, I'd say it is pretty good that they were able to sense that there was something very special about Christ. After all, being likened to any of those guys would put you in pretty good company. So I think that just like Father Tomo's fishing efforts without his new eye bomber, we could say it's pretty good, but it's not great. St. Peter, of course, he gets it right. He succeeded where the others failed. He didn't just do good, he did great. But immediately after answering correctly, Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. In other words, Peter didn't figure this out on his own. He had help. You see, no amount of practice and character analysis, no amount of studying of the Old Testament readings or Peter doing investigative journalism on Jesus' life, including interviewing Mary or interviewing Jesus' grandma, Anne, or interviewing Donald, Jesus' childhood neighbor that you've never heard of. None of that would have led Peter to come to the conclusion that Jesus is God. Nothing could have provided this for him except having it be revealed to him by our Heavenly Father. He had to be shown this from above. So too, Father Tomo couldn't practice and practice and practice, and then one day, through all this practice of fishing, finally get to a point where he could see through 100 feet of murky water to know exactly what's down there. Can't be done. Can't do it without help. And just like it was true for St. Peter, just like it's true for future saint, Father Tomo, the same thing is true for all of us who are also called to be future saints. The only way that we can truly discern what God is calling us to do, whether it be in our day-to-day lives or in our big-picture vocation, the only way for us to clearly know where we're being called, to be able to see the path that God is laying out for us, whether it be a call to marriage or priesthood or religious life, or a dedicated and consecrated single life, or for those of you who are here this evening that have already entered into your vocation, have already discerned it, or are living it out, then the only way that you'll be able to clearly see God's path for you to continue to persevere in this vocation, day in and day out, the only way to achieve any of this is for us to receive help in seeing what is beyond our own ability to see. However, I think that sometimes we can be tempted to insist on doing things on our own. Perhaps we slip into a mode where we place too much trust in our own abilities. And so we try to think through and solve our own struggles. We try to discover solutions to our own questions on our own without looking outside of ourselves for aid or assistance. Now, all of you here, you look like very intelligent individuals. And I'm sure that all of you are very talented and very capable at so many things. And so I could understand why you would be tempted to think that you would be able to do things on your own. Perhaps sometimes, too, maybe we feel like it's easier to try to figure things out for ourselves or to follow our own plans, because when we do this, it enables us to stay in control. I know I like being in control, and it allows us to feel like we have a handle on things. I'll admit that if at all possible, 
I definitely prefer to take care of things on my own. I don't like having to depend on other people or other things. Because if I'm depending on someone else, then I'm no longer in control. And I know that right when I'm in the middle of, of some issue, in the heat of the moment, the strategy to say, I'm going to do this on my own, in my little mind, it makes a lot of sense. But what I want to point out right now is that that would be the equivalent of Father Tomo saying, you know what, I know I have this eye bobber here, but I think I'll be able to achieve better results on my own. Because I trust my eyes, I trust my vision, more than relying on something else. And so for that reason, he would refuse to ever turn it on. I think one place where we can be tempted to want to do things on our own, rather than having to rely and depend on another, comes when we're called to turn things over to God through prayer. Again, on some level, I understand this hesitation. Because maybe, maybe we think, you know, I'm not all that good at prayer. Or maybe we think that we don't know exactly how to do it in an effective way. Perhaps we think that we'd like to be able to trust in God, to follow his plan. But again, we feel like we're such experts in knowing how things in our lives work, where at the same time we're merely beginners in the ways of God. And this, of course, you know, kind of brings some turmoil with it. Well, I'm happy to tell you that the scriptures tell us that this is a good place to be, that this isn't the problem. One of my favorite passages in the Psalms says that it is better to dwell in the threshold of God, the mere threshold, than to reside in the dwellings of the wicked, and that it is better to spend one day in the courts of God than to spend a thousand elsewhere. In other words, if we find ourselves merely standing at the entrance of the ways of God, if we're simply beginners taking our first steps with God, then we're already further along than the foremost experts in the ways of the world. And that a few minutes spent in prayer are more fruitful than hours upon hours of trying to figure things out on our own. So to sum up everything that I've said so far, if we want to be pleasing to God, to discern his will rightly, and to walk in his ways each and every day, we're going to need help. Because a spiritual life, it's another realm that we can't look into without God's help. What we need, what all of us need, is a spiritual eye-bobber so that we can move from being good followers of Christ to being great ones. We need to have a spiritual eye-bobber so that we can accurately discern our vocations and then live by following them out each day. So you're probably wondering, Father, what is this spiritual eye-bobber that's going to help us on our way and help us to see as God sees And I'm going to propose this evening that what we need and that what's going to help us is the virtue of humility. Humility. I think it's a virtue that we all want, but that we'd all agree is pretty hard to master. I always love, I love joking around with the virtue of humility. I always tell people, I'll go on and on and on. I'll be like, I just want to let you know that I'm I'm really good at humility. In fact, I'm I'm better at being humble than most people I know. I think a lot of times when we think about the need to be humble, we strive to achieve this virtue simply by saying, okay, well, I'm going to avoid pride, and I'm simply not going to talk about myself and my achievements. This is a great start. But there's so much more. We can go so much deeper if we take a closer consideration at what humility really is. The very definition of humility is simply to see things as God sees them, or to see things as they really are. In other words, humility allows us to view people or situations from God's perspective rather than from our own limited viewpoint. 
Hence why I'm proposing that humility is kind of like that eye bobber. It's all about how we see things, showing us something deeper, allowing us to see things that are beyond our capacity to perceive. This is so important in our lives because if we see things differently, then we're going to respond to them differently. We're going to interact with them differently. For instance, the people in the gospel who perceived that Jesus was John the Baptist or Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets, they certainly would have interacted with Jesus differently than Peter did because Peter correctly saw that he was truly God himself. So too, I think we'd all agree that in our own day-to-day lives, if we're able to correctly and humbly come to a deeper appreciation of seeing that God is God and that we aren't God, that he knows better than we do, and that his path leads to a greater joy and peace, that we'll be able to achieve better results in our day-to-day lives. This realization and this growth in humility will enable us to go from being good followers of Christ to great followers of Christ, also known as saints. So you might be wondering precisely how it is that we can achieve this growth in humility and seeing things as God sees them. I think a great first step, a great way to start in this is to carry out a practice that the great saint Ignatius of Loyola used to say ought to be done at the beginning of every period of prayer. He said that whenever we come into the presence of God and begin to pray, that we should pause for a brief time. This is about the time that it would take to pray in our Father. That we should pause for a brief while, and during this time, that we should ask God to help us to see how it is that he sees us. How it is that God sees us. This isn't a time to think about how it is that we ought to portray ourselves before God. Because again, that would lead to being our vision and us doing the work. Ultimately, it's about pausing and trying to visualize how it is that God from above sees us as we stand before him. It allows us to focus on our relationship with God, but in a way that we aren't the focus. Asking God to bring in our our mind's eye how he truly sees us. So right now, I'm just going to pause for a moment. And I'm going to ask all of you to momentarily close your eyes and just to do just this very thing. To try to encounter God and to visualize right now how it is that he sees you. I'll go ahead and I'll tell you right now what it is that I see. Okay, when I see God looking upon me, I see God looking upon me as someone who wants to do good for God, someone who strives to do good for God, but who often falls short, someone who's imperfect, but at the same time as being imperfect, is loved, someone for whom the Lord has great plans despite my flaws and despite my failings and my sinfulness. Ultimately, I think when God looks upon me, he sees a sinner who he knows he can turn into a saint if I only grasp his hand and allow him to take me there. And as I glance out at everyone who's here, I would say that God looks upon each one of you, all of you, in one of two ways. The first way, I think probably covers most of you, would be that God sees that you are perfect and that you're a saint. That probably covers most of you who are here. Or the second way 
that God sees you as someone whom he loves and someone for whom he has great plans and great hope for no matter what you've done in the past and no matter what your weaknesses currently are. God does not look upon any of us merely as sinners. He sees us as sinners with a future as saints. That's what God sees when he looks through the water into the depths where we can't clearly see on our own. I know that a lot of times, there's one of two ways that I view myself normally. A lot of times I view myself either as not good enough to accomplish the things that God's asking of me. And so the end result there is fear. And it holds me back from doing what God wants me to do. Or, here's the other embarrassing thing that I'll admit, is that I sometimes think to myself that I'm the best person for the job and that I am invincible and that nothing can get in my way. And guess what gets in my way? Pride. Because then I try to do it on my own. And I don't rely enough on God. And I fall. And I again fail to achieve what it is that he has planned for me. The truth of the matter is that none of us will ever be insufficient to accomplish what God asks of us so long as we utilize his grace. And that none of us will ever be able to accomplish what he asks of us if we try to do it without his grace. So I think that the first step in achieving humility is to ask yourself, how does God view me? And to always make sure that part of that answer is going to be God's love. Then another huge part of fulfilling God's will comes in how it is that we interact with others. How it is that we assess them and how we relate to those whom God puts in our path. The way that we treat others with humility is by applying the very same principle that we just did for ourselves towards others. We need to ask ourselves, how does God see this person? Again, God sees beyond the surface. He sees deeper into their soul than we ever could on our own. Again, I'll admit sometimes I can be extremely judgmental, that I can easily become frustrated by others, especially when their actions don't make any sense. Not that we ever have that in our lives where we would look and say, what is this person doing? And again, a lot of times I feel that I can misjudge the motivations or the abilities of others. If, however, in that moment I pause and I try to say, God, how do you view this person? Then I see them as someone who's loved, as someone who has potential despite the flaws that I see, as someone whom God has incredible plans for. Seeing others through God's eyes allows me to see their potential rather than viewing them as a frustration and a burden that I'd rather not deal with. I think this is especially the case towards those whom we feel may have slighted us and whom we find it very difficult to forgive. Finally, when it comes to vocational discernment, asking God to help us to see our options through his eyes can often open us up to see his plans with a greater joy rather than with a boatload of fear and anxiety. Frequently, as vocation director, I speak to individuals, men or women, who feel as if God is calling them in in one direction or another. They think that they're definitely being led in one direction, be it priesthood, religious life, or married life. But they're frequently very hesitant to take even one tiny more little step towards this life and to dive in. Because they have one or two big worries that they have that bring about a paralyzing fear. Maybe tonight you even find yourself currently struggling to take the next step in in some direction or to dive in. Because as you gaze down in that water below, maybe you see a couple of large objects moving down below. And you are certain that these are sharks that are ready to tear you to pieces. Whereas the reality is that if you pause and try to see things from God's perspective, 
He'll reveal to you that if this is where he's calling you, then your fears are simply minnows that are easily brushed aside. And that these two large objects aren't sharks, but rather they're God's hands calling you forward and preparing to hold you and carry you as you dive in and fulfill his will. Again, on our own, we'll never be able to achieve the greatness that we can obtain if we choose to turn on the spiritual eye-bobber of humility and gaze through the water of life with the eyes of God. The beautiful thing about humbly praying about God's will for our lives is that although the path might not look easy, although sometimes we might feel like we're going to have to hold our breath underwater for a little while, is that God will show us the way towards wherever it is that he desires for us to go. Perhaps maybe in life we're saying, I'm looking for salmon. But God reveals to us that mahi-mahi are going to be making their way through the waters of life pretty soon. And in that case, we need to go after those mahi-mahi with all our heart and not ignore them because we are stubbornly waiting for salmon. God always provides. He always provides something that is going to bring us joy. We simply need to go through our days asking him to allow us to see the value of whatever it is that he longs to show us and to be not afraid to follow where he calls. The final thing that I want to point out before we pray is that in utilizing God's help from above, St. Peter not only accurately saw Jesus for who he was, but at the same time there were two more things that happened. The first is that when he saw God for who he truly was in life, he received his own vocation. We know this because immediately after Jesus says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. Immediately after this, Jesus says, And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Jesus reveals his vocation to him, which I hope we'd all agree that Peter would not have been able to have figured this out on his own. He didn't even know what a pope was, right? And secondly, Jesus also says to him, he says, not only this is your, this is your mission, this is your vocation, you know, on this rock I will build my church, but then he also says, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom. In other words, Jesus makes it clear not only is he calling him into a particular mission, but that he is going to provide him with the tools, with the grace, with the strength, exactly what it is that he needs to accomplish this mission with success. So brothers and sisters, from my perspective, which I'll admit is very limited, I think that we all need to take advantage of God's help in whatever areas of our life we can. Which, if you want me to let you in on a little secret, when I say, you know, whatever areas we can, God can make a difference in every single area of your life. So if right now you're thinking, well, I don't know, Father, what about this one that I'm thinking of? Whatever particular area you're thinking of right now, where maybe you're not so sure if you can make a difference or how we could help, he can. He always can. You simply need to let him show you how to look at this area from his perspective, to see it with his eyes rather than with your own. So this evening as we enter into this, this time of prayer, as we're praying, let us ask God to help us to see our vocations, to see our callings, and to see how we can discern them or how we can live them out faithfully each day. Let us ask him to enable us to see these things with humility, to see them as they really are, to see them with his eyes so that we can use what he gives to progress 
from being good followers of Christ to becoming the saints that God calls us to be.